Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to Talking CFD with Robin Knowles. It's kind of like my show, but for CFD nerds, prepare to ignite. Welcome back, CFDsters. We're here with a one of the traditional Talking CFD episodes, the one where I'm chatting to a CFD entrepreneur to get the inside track about their business. Today's willing victim is uh, is Wouter Emery, founder of uh, Cloud CFD platform Airshaper, and also star of their many awesome explainer videos that you might have seen floating around LinkedIn. Um, welcome to the show, Wouter. Hey, Robin. Good afternoon, and uh, thanks for having me. Uh, no worries. Now. I'm a big fan of the videos, which we'll come back to later, and I'm a big fan of doing CFD in the cloud, so I'm looking forward to this one. But for those who don't know what Airshaper is, how surely everybody does, but can you give us a snapshot of what it is, but also what the company behind it looks like today? Yes, yes, with pleasure. Um, so Airshaper is a cloud-based tool uh, to analyze and optimize the aerodynamics of a design. Well, that's a very broad description. Um, basically, Basically, it means that if you're a designer or an engineer, you can create an account, upload a 3D model, and set the basics, like the scale, the orientation, and the wind speed, for example, select one out of three accuracies, and then launch the simulation. Um, and crucial to that story is that you don't need to set any simulation-specific parameters, like which solver, which mesh, and so on that you would like to use. We have um, automated that part ourselves, so you don't have to worry about it yourself. This means that it sets us a bit apart from other fantastic engineering tools that are oriented at people that realize what the impact is of different parameters and puts us in a different uh, segment where we allow people without or with limited simulation setting knowledge to still run aerodynamic simulations and get insight into the aerodynamics of their design. So are these the the many settings that are possible within CFD? Are these are these hidden away and an expert could set them, or are they, is the tool intended that you don't trouble yourself with things like that? Indeed, they're hidden away and you cannot access them, even if you are an expert. Ah, okay. But what we do uh, provide is that when experts do use our tool, and they do because of uh, the speed in some cases or the flexibility to work with open surface models, we do provide the full results which means the full data in open foam format, which is the, the, the core that we use for the simulations. We provide that to them so they can do their own post-processing if they are not happy with the standard reports that we provide or the standard 3D visualizations that we offer in the browser. Just so we're clear, when you say an open surface model, are we talking something that's not watertight that might leak? Exactly, exactly. So Almost all the CAD that I ever come across. Exactly, exactly. So one of the biggest pains of running a CFD simulation is often that you need to prepare the CAD geometry because most CFD solvers or meshers or both of them will complain if there's small holes or gaps through which the mesh can leak or can trip over it. In our case, we spent a lot of time to make our code robust and accept these models as they are um, because this saves weeks of time in some cases on the customer side so they don't have to remodel uh, these 3d models and the cool thing is that this allows us to open up uh, the applications as well because we can for example if we work on a race car we can simply download a public model of a race car and use it directly in our tool and these models, they're made for visualization purposes, for example, for rendering purposes, which means that it's not essential that they are watertight. But for us, 
it means that we can work directly with those models even if they were not created for CFD, which really speeds up the process because it's quite difficult to ask Porsche or any other car brand for their 3D models. Um, this is useful for small race teams, for example. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I have had conversations in the past with, with customers and we've sort of been talking about the process and I've said, you know, you'll supply the CAD model and then I'll build the CFD model. And I think just this, the, the use of the word model in both cases, the the client might say, well, you've already got the model. What what do you need to do to, to make it into a CFD model? Um, and exactly. I think you've kind of just hit on that there where saving hours and hours of filling holes and fixing overlaps and things like that. Indeed, indeed. Typically, um, and I have been in the consultancy business myself before I started Air Shaper, um, I spend around six years making quotes and doing projects uh, using conventional CFD packages, which was very nice. Um, but you would typically make a quote and add some buffer to that quote because every time you would, uh, or almost every time, you would stumble upon problems with the 3D model, which means that your quote becomes higher, which means that the perceived value for the customer is different. Um, so you have to kind of hide away the fact that you need to work on a 3D model that to the customer looks perfect, it looks nice on their screen, but to you is still not valid. So indeed, what you say is true. Uh, it's difficult to convey this to the customer that you need to spend some time to fix the model that actually looks good in their eyes. So you mentioned that experts do use the tool for various reasons, but are we suggesting that the bulk of the users or the kind of the new users are also new to CFD? Most of them are, um, because that was the focus that we set out from when okay. we started Airshaper, and that is to open up aerodynamics, the fantastic domain of aerodynamics, at least I find it fantastic, yeah. to open up that domain to a, a much bigger group of, of people. Um, there's plenty of designers and engineers around the world that work on products that involve aerodynamics or that could perform better if you analyze and optimize the aerodynamics, but they just don't bother. Um, not because they don't want to, um, obviously, but in most cases, CFD or aerodynamics in general is perceived as a very expensive black box, which it can be in most cases, because if you go to the wind tunnel, well, you need to rent the wind tunnel, that will set you back a few thousand dollars or euros per day. If you happen to have one somewhere near you as well. Exactly, exactly. You're, you're, you're geographically constrained as well, that's true. Um, it's a really nice tool, we support it, um, but complementary to that, you have the simulations, but there too, either you want to do it yourself, which means spending months to learn open foam, if you want to do it on a low budget, or it spends, it means, um, buying a commercial CFD package, which is expensive, multiple ten thousands uh, of euros or dollars, and then to run it on expensive hardware. Um, and this is why it's, it's quite prohibitive in most cases to apply it to products that occasionally involve uh, the benefit of aerodynamics. If you do this day in, day out, probably you have the resources to integrate it into your company. Um, but if you do this occasionally or you haven't done it before and you want to get into it, then it's nice to have a platform that doesn't charge you um, for a fixed setup cost or for a, a, a large hardware cost and, and just paper simulation. That's what we wanted to create with Airshaper, an easy to use, and but also easy to access uh, channel to aerodynamics. What do you think that, the Airshaper does really well. What's your, what's your, I don't know, do you, would you call it a USP? What, what, what do you think Airshaper does really well? 
I would say in general, it's the user experience. Um, okay. Like I said, I've used these tools myself for years and years, open foam and commercial packages, and I really like them. And, and they have a fantastic spot in the market for what they are for, which is to help engineers perform high-end, accurate CFD simulations. Um, but with AirShaper, our goal is to make the experience seamless. And... Being able to run open surface models uh, is one aspect to speed up your design process because you don't need to clean the models. Um, but other parts are the, the setup, for example. We literally have just one setup page with the wind speed, the orientation of the model, and the accuracy that you need to select. And that's it. You, you can literally set up a simulation in five minutes. And once you have a simulation, once it's done on our cloud solution, so you don't need your own hardware or software, once it's done, typically you would spend, again, a, a fair amount of time to process the raw data, which is gigabytes and gigabytes, uh, to make images, slices of pressure and velocity and turbulence and so on, to interpret, to interpret the flow. Um, in our case, we do this for the user as well. So we automatically set the right scales, set the right views. We render the images so they look nice, so they can be integrated into presentations and so on, and put those into a nice comprehensive report. And also put them online in a 3D visualization, which you can just run in your browser without installing anything. So the whole process doesn't require you to purchase anything for a fixed cost. It doesn't require you to install software or buy hardware or even to pay a monthly fee. It's just a seamless experience that you can try yourself and, 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 and go ahead with your product design. One of the things that crops up when I'm talking to um, either safety users or code vendors and this sort of thing, this hot topic, if you like, of democratization, this idea of, of making um, CFD available to, to non-CFD experts. I, I, I have to catch myself there because I, I'm, you can say to non-experts and, and typically the people who are using it are experts. They're just maybe not experts in CFD. Um, what are your views on that? I guess you must, you probably do have some if you've designed a tool that is fundamentally set up to make it easy to use. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, well, if you look at the CFD market or the aerodynamics market in general, there's different groups. There, there's people that have never touched it at all. There's people that have ordered simulations at the consultant um, or have done wind tunnel tests. And then there's the top end of the market where, for example, in Formula One, people spend literally millions and millions to get the CFD right. And I think they're complementary. Um, when we launch a tool like AirShaper, our message is not, aha, we are here to replace all those other tools. Stop using ANSYS, stop using Star CCM Plus, now start using AirShaper. That's not the message we want to send out. Actually, what we want to say is that we are complementary because we see quite a big gap between not doing CFD and doing CFD. And that gap is that you need to invest in software, hardware, expertise, and so on. So what we do with AirShaper is to make the first phase more accessible to get into aerodynamics. And also once you're up and running, even for the expert users of CFD, to provide a quick and robust tool um, to integrate in the early phases of the design process to make it quicker to analyze and optimize the aerodynamics when you still have the room within the design process to change things. 
That's what we want to do, to be complementary to the high-end tools, which we still support, but to prepare you, you, your work or your design for that uh, process later on, to do the detailed aerodynamic optimization with our tool up front. Yeah, so I mean, it's something that you can perhaps easily forget, and it's something that uh, comes up in, in conversations that I have with people, where the, the delta, sort of in terms of a value add between um, the situation of doing no simulation and doing some simulation is huge and it probably is much bigger than doing some simulation or doing some slightly better simulation. That that delta between none and some, whatever level that some is at, is huge and can be transformational for, for companies, particularly those that have a product where it's where the airflow is foundational where improving that is going to improve your product whether that improves your bottom line or whether that just improves your performance um something that's easy to forget if you're day-to-day using cfd anyway yeah i completely agree and when you democratize let's use the same word when you democratize cfd and then we're talking about making it more accessible making it less expensive then it becomes interesting to also tackle problems where aerodynamics may be second or third on the list. Um, and once they start looking at it, it might become the priority and be number one on the list. Uh, we recently worked on backpacks for Vaudet. Okay. Vaudet is, is a manufacturer of backpacks. And there we tackled a very typical problem. Uh, maybe you've experienced it these days because it's quite warm outside. <laughs> when you cycle to work with a backpack on your back, you sweat. And if you cover up the areas where you need to cool down, you sweat even more. And together with them, um, we looked at some models and channels that were formed in the padding between the backpack and your back to allow the air to stream through those channels and to take away uh, the humid atmosphere and, and to cool down uh, the back of the rider which is not something you would think about straight away when you design a backpack. But when you have an accessible tool that is affordable, um, it makes it much easier to start doing these things. If you would have told them up front, okay, a campaign, a CFD or a wind tunnel campaign will cost you maybe fifty to to $100,000 or euros, um, just as order of magnitude, then they probably would have said, okay, maybe we should focus on something else. But when you start the process with easy-to-use simulations and and reduce that cost significantly, it's much more attractive for them, but for any company that has a similar product, uh, to start using CFD, to open their eyes, and then promote it uh, to a more important parameter in the design process for future products. See, I I don't think this is something that you've come across um, just since starting Airshaper. So I want to ask you about how you kind of got to this worldview, if you like, and kind of got to the point of starting the company. But just before we go there, I just wondered, what, what does the team look like these days? Uh, it's six people at the moment, uh, with the last one just started uh, earlier this week. Um, and it's a mix. Um, some people work on the aerodynamics, obviously, on our code. Uh-huh. With a background in academics, for example, um, also for, for external aerodynamics. But then there's also a big chunk on, on things you wouldn't expect up front. Uh, okay. When we set out, um, you would think, okay, aerodynamics is 80% of the business. But it turns out that there's plenty of other things that you need to tackle um, for a, an aerodynamics platform. 
apart from the aerodynamics, there's also the server architecture, which means that we need to schedule all the calculations that come in, make make it make sure that it's possible to run them in parallel, manage all the data that comes out of it, uh, manage all the queues. That's a huge effort. Um, also to optimize the calculations to detect convergence automatically and so on. So we have someone working on uh, server architecture as well. We also have um, effort being done on the marketing side. You mentioned it briefly, the videos that we produce. They may be short in time, in duration, um, but it takes quite a, a bit of time to produce them. Oh yeah, I definitely want to come back to those later. Yeah. So, and then of course there's the sales aspect as well. And on top of that, you have the, the typical things of running a business, which is administration, your accountancy and so on. So it's a very interesting mix of different fields that we tackle. I'm interested to know how you kind of got to this point of, of starting the, the company. So if we were to rewind a little bit, what would we have, what would we have found you doing before Airshaper? Yeah, good question. My, my life looked uh, quite a bit different <laughs> when we go back around 10, 11 years. I had been working at a company that produces gearboxes for wind turbines. And you could say, ah, the wind turbines, that's the link to aerodynamics, but it's not. I'm actually a mechanical engineer and I was designing castings and gears and so on um, for this company. And at a certain point in time, I decided um, that I wanted to fulfill a typical boy's dream, which is to design a car, a sports car, obviously. Oh, awesome. Um, not, not very unique in that regard. Um, but what I wanted to do is to make it based on an aerodynamic principle, which was to not use downforce on the car, which is typically used to push the car onto the tarmac, which means that loads are transferred from the rear wing, for example, or the front splitter, through the chassis, through the suspension, through the tires, onto the contact patch to the asphalt, which increases the force, which increases the lateral forces that you can take, making you faster through corners. That's the basic principle of downforce. Yes, indeed. But that's in a number of ways not too efficient because all these extra loads make the chassis more, more, make it heavier. Um, so you need more mass. Um, also your ride height can change in function of the downforce and so on. So I thought it would be more efficient to generate lateral forces directly using the aerodynamics. Just think of it, uh, like as the rudder of a boat, for example, of a plane which just generates lateral forces. Now, of course, it wouldn't look too pretty uh, to install a rudder uh, on a car, even though it might be, be quicker. Uh, so I set off to design a car around a set of channels, internal and external air channels, um, that take in the air at the front of the car and then spit it out on both sides. And if you close one of these channels, and so you only spit out the air on one side of the car, you push the car itself to the other side. That was the basic principle. But I had no means to test it. I downloaded a trial version for students uh, back at that time um, to run 3D Max, 3D Studio Max and design a car. But I had no means to either build a prototype and do a wind tunnel test or to have a CFD simulation done. I went to an agency and they said, well, it'll cost you maybe 3,000 euros. And even though that was a fair rate for the industry, for a hobby, it was way too much. So I didn't do that. Instead, I did something well, radically different. I quit my job and I went traveling for a few months. And when I came back, I needed a job and I just applied at that same agency that made the quote for me. So two weeks later, I was uh, working there, which was fantastic for me because I got to spend six years of my professional life to answer the question that I had, which was to 
analyze the forces on a model coming from the wind um, for other customers. Now, the way I validated this for my concept in a rough way was to just drive 180 kilometers per hour, which was the maximum of my Volkswagen Golf at the time, and push open my door with one leg and see Ooh. if it would impact uh, the lateral forces on the car. I survived, and I also noticed that there were lateral forces, but it wasn't a proper benchmark um, of what I needed. And just like I didn't really have the proper test to analyze what was going on, so didn't the customers that I was working for at that engineering agency. They had the same question. I'm working on a bobsled. I'm working on a Formula 3 car, for example. I'm working on solar panels and I need to know how much weight I need to put on them so they won't fly away. Those were the typical questions that we were answering either via physical wind tunnel tests or via simulation. And... Over those years, I also started experimenting with OpenFoam, which is an uh, open source environment to perform mainly CFD simulations. And I had noticed that you could do quite a lot of programming and customization in the environment. And in parallel, I had also noticed that the work we were doing for all of these customers was in a way quite repetitive. Um, and by that, I mean that you need to write a quote, first of all, um, you need to discuss the details, you need to analyze and modify the 3D model, as we discussed before. You then need to set up the simulations, set the boundary conditions, set all the calculation parameters and so on. You need to schedule it on a server. Once it's done, if it's done, because sometimes you need to wait in the queue, but once it's done, you need to process, process all the data into images to make a presentation. And only from that point on, you can start to create the value that the customer is actually looking for, which is the analysis and the optimization. And by analysis, I mean telling the customer, this is what is happening within the flow field. This is a problem zone. This is a good zone and so on. And then the optimization means giving him specific or giving her specific advice on how to improve their design to optimize the aerodynamics, which means that the customer doesn't really care too much how much time you spend on fixing the model, setting up the simulation and so on. So my goal was to set out and build a platform that could automate the first phase of this process so that other people be it the engineering experts or the end users, could focus on what matters most, which is the analysis and the optimization of the design itself. I was going to ask about halfway through, I was going to say, well, if you wanted to sort of do this for yourself, why not just start a consulting company? But I think you just outlined why you wouldn't do that. You've kind of, you've taken away the sort of low value tasks and replaced them with what to the customer is the, the high value deliverable. Yes, yes. And the typical response when I tell this to people is that they say, oh, okay, you're making us redundant as a consultant. And then the answer is actually quite the opposite. We have automated the part of the process that causes you headache, that, that causes your quotes or your projects to blow up in terms of budget. And we made it possible for you to focus on the things that matter most, where your expertise matters most, which means that we also have engineering partners that use our tool to offer value to their end users. So we don't replace consultants. We just automate their process so they can focus on, on the more value adding part of, of the, of the cycle. So you could look at it from the point of view of how much more CFD is being done with a tool like this, but you could also look at it, I guess, from the point of view of how much more possibly, how much more innovation is is being empowered by tools like yours. Um, I notice 
we haven't got any cars like the ones you described but if this tool had been available back then maybe you'd have finished that design and we'd be uh, we'd see them on the market yeah with a tool and and, and maybe a budget of a few million euros i could oh, yeah, have been th- making making a <laughs> making a prototype by now no it's true and, and just like the the backpack case i just mentioned this applies to many different disciplines we also did CFD analysis on, on triathletes, for example. Um, and there too, the big question is, I don't have the means to do aerodynamics. And specifically for them, the question is, I don't even have a 3D model. How on earth will I get started with aerodynamics? And then a nice feature of being able to work or a nice benefit or of being able to work with open surface models is that we can also work with the open surface models that come out of a 3D scan. Mm-hmm. So there too, we can eliminate the need for a manually built 3D CAD model and just replace it by a 3D scan model that is just made by a 3D scanning company or someone who makes it himself. So that's also possible. So again, this reduces yet another barrier um, in the process towards uh, aerodynamic optimization. So it feels like we're talking about CFD that otherwise very probably wouldn't have been done at all. Yes, exactly. That's that's the main thing. So we are interesting uh, as a tool for people that already do CFD and to speed up the process and to use it for the early design stages. But we mainly are a platform for people that would otherwise not really do CFD because it's prohibitive in terms of knowledge required, in terms of tools, in terms of budget. In terms of kind of the cloud aspect of this, the, I guess the cloud's kind of been transformational in terms of the sort of innovation that's been in our space within within cfd a lot of the a lot of the tools that we see are our cloud platforms and things like that yes um it still feels like it it hasn't really been adopted that widely do you do you f- see a lot of pushback do you hear a lot of pushback when you um when people are thinking about adopting a, a cloud cfd solution well, it depends on who you ask. Um, I, I wouldn't say there's a general answer from the market. Um, on one hand, on one hand side, you have big corporates that are very focused on confidentiality, and rightfully so. And there is, it's a bit more difficult to convince them that our platform is safe, and we have a lot of security measures um, that are provided to us by the by the cloud service provider. But also, we add our own security layer on top, and so on. But still, sometimes it's difficult to convince them um, of the confidentiality that can be guaranteed to them. Um, there's another group of users, uh, smaller companies and individuals that tend to be more more flexible uh, in the use of cloud platforms. Um, so it depends on who you're asking. Yeah, but uh, independent of who you're asking, it can be considered uh, as a safe solution, definitely. But the thing is, it, it's also in, in the minds of people and it will take some time, a bit more time for some companies compared to other companies, but to indeed accept the cloud solution. But when you talk about democratization of CFD, um, to come back to that one, it's quite important um, to use the cloud as a tool because I've been there myself 10 years ago. I, I Please, IT service, I need a, a bigger machine because I want to run bigger simulations. We, we've all been there. Um, that's nice. It, 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 it can be interesting to do it on your own hardware, um, but it's also nice if you can just scale it by, by doing it in the cloud. And it has the benefit that you can max out one simulation 
because it has an almost unlimited uh, amount of memory and CPUs, uh, the cloud solution that we provide. But it also means that you can start up 10 or 20 simulations at the same time. So imagine that on Monday, you need to analyze 10 design concepts and compare them uh, by Wednesday. You can just launch them all and, and, and compare them on our tool, which is quite different uh, from your hardware that you would use and operate yourself and schedule all the simulations and monitor them yourself. So there's a there's a question around cloud safety that probably a year ago I wouldn't have found myself asking. But do you get any um, pushback or resistance from companies who say, "What if you guys aren't here in a year's time? Um, what what do I do with my investment in sort of time and integrating you into my into my process?" I'm not saying you're going anywhere, but when you don't have for example, you feel a kind of probably a fake sense of security when you've got something on your own machine and you can you can't touch it, obviously. But you know what I mean. Um, when you've got something locally that you feel like it's it's yours, but whereas when you're accessing a remote service that might disappear. Yeah, indeed. Well, the nice thing um, that we did to try and accommodate this is that first of all, there's no setup costs uh, to run a simulation, which means you don't have this investment feeling. You just order oh, okay. a simulation and you pay per simulation and that's it. That's one thing. Another thing is that we provide the full report for sure in PDF format, but we also provide the full data which you can download. So even if we were unlikely, but if we were to disappear, you would still have the data, which is the full data that we have ourselves. So you can still store it on your local machine if you want to be safe. So those are two things that we do to counter this aspect. And to come back to the cloud aspect in general, the nice thing is also that if you want to speed up a design process, it's in a, to a large degree a matter of streamlining your design process in general, which means that if you go from sketch to CAD design to CFD simulation to post-processing to prototyping and so on, that you want to connect all these services. And cloud services they have the option, or at least some of them have the option, to be connected via APIs, which is something that we offer ourselves as well. So there are companies that write their own algorithms or their own programs to explore different design concepts, and then they use the AirShaper API in the background to actually simulate those different concepts and then analyze the data that comes back to them. So this is yet another reason to move to the cloud because it speeds up the design process, uh, especially when you consider things like um, artificial intelligence and so on that, again, help to replace some of the manual process that we do ourselves these days. I love the direction of travel. It feels like it's a, an interesting. I, I, I'll stop short of exciting, but it's an interesting time to be uh, to be looking at CFD and, and, and being involved in this space. Yes, definitely. I want to circle back to your uh, to your marketing videos. Um, if anybody who's listening hasn't seen them, go and go and seek one out because I love what you guys are doing in terms of your your digital marketing. Um, there's a term that kind of sometimes does the rounds called newsjacking i think where you take a story that's in the news now and use it to your advantage and it, it seems like whenever there's anything remotely newsworthy that's aero related then within i don't know a week a few days at least you guys have popped up with an explainer or some related video you do that super quickly can you kind of take us behind the scenes of that a little bit yeah, 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 for sure. Um, of course, the first videos, that took us quite a bit of time to get them organized, to get them produced. And over the time, over time, we have been 
have become more efficient at this, which means that we now write the script, we do a simulation if need be to support um, the topic that we're working on, and then we record it. Um, and we try to focus on, like you say, topics that are um, interesting at the time of, of publishing, which can be a race car, which can be uh, a basic aerodynamics topic, just to explain the, the theory behind it. It can be a sports topic, whichever is trending at the time or which we believe will yeah. be trending in the future. So, I mean, for example, Tesla turned up with a new aerodynamic truck and then the next few days I'd see an aerodynamic assessment of a new aerodynamic yes, truck. Yes, indeed. Um, well, we were quite happy to do so. Whenever, When they launched it, when they did the press release, we got in contact with one of our engineering partners, actually the, the, the engineering office I used to work for, and we asked them, hey, can you quickly provide us with a 3D model based on just purely internet images? And they did so, uh, which means that it wasn't the accurate exact model, but it was close enough to capture what was going on in terms of aerodynamics. And then we compared it to a standard model of a truck, um, which they already had. And then we could spot a significant difference uh, in terms of drag resistance, which is basically what it's about. Of course, when you're in the design team of Tesla, every 0.1% of drag reduction counts. But when you're in the business with these videos um, of educating people and trying to explain which aspects of the design are influencing the aerodynamics, you can make do with a model that is close enough to just capture the different trends in aerodynamics and explain what is happening. And in case of the Tesla, we looked at the effect of removing the mirrors and replacing them by cameras, the effect of shielding the wheels, and so on. And we saw that of course, there were plenty of companies doing most of these things already, but Tesla was kind of the first company to just do it and implement it on a massive scale and implement it full on and not just the mirrors, not just the shielding of the wheels, not just the connection between the tractor and the trailer. They did all of that. And when you add it all together, we found a massive uh, reduction in drag resistance. It sort of speaks to the kind of the power of the the platform, really, that you guys, as a relatively small team, because I'm guessing you weren't all working on it, as a relatively small team, you can turn that around. It's not like there was a team of 50 people that you'd put onto it and devoted to producing this video. Um, no, indeed, indeed. Yep. The, if I was to do it, the, everybody would have forgotten what the se- Tesla Semi was by the time I'd, uh, I'd got my analysis yeah. of it. <laughs> when the mesh is set up, indeed, indeed. That would be the biggest pain in the process, I guess. And is LinkedIn a uh, sort of fairly powerful channel for you guys? It is, it is. Um, and it's interesting. Because that's where I see a lot of the videos. Yeah, we, we publish them on, on multiple platforms, but LinkedIn is, is quite interesting. First of all, because it's a professional network, obviously, but also because um, the way videos can grow and go viral, uh, let's say, just to use a buzzword. Um, if we publish a video, we see that it's being watched uh, many more times than there are people in the network, which means that it spreads beyond our network, which is the nice thing about LinkedIn. If someone within the business likes it, well, their connections will also see that they liked it and they will start to look at it as well, which is a very interesting way for us to, to get connected to other people. The funny thing is that whenever we launch a video, the days afterwards, uh, I get a lot of connection requests on my LinkedIn and I start talking to lots of interesting people within the industry, um, which is part of the goal, of course, of creating the videos, apart from uh, explaining the basics and supporting, well, learning aerodynamics and, and, and preparing you to use the platform. So I'm guessing being a sort of relatively new company that this kind of thing is in your 
or you've made it part of your DNA. This is how you guys operate as opposed to having perhaps uh, growing a large sales team and doing this sort of a hand-to-hand combat with phoning people individually, you sort of getting your message out to a much wider audience in, a, in an entertaining way. Exactly, exactly. And it's not a black and white story. Of course, we, we, we call people as well, and we have discussions on a one-to-one basis. Um, and there also have been phases, different phases in our product launch at the very beginning when we didn't have this network on LinkedIn or on YouTube or, or whichever channel. We were um, forced to just go out there and, and, and make connections manually let's say and it's still something that we do i wouldn't say that we would neglect going to fairs or having calls with people um, or going to conferences it's still very valuable to stay in touch with what people really want but indeed you're right uh, you cannot sustain this as you grow and that's why we uh, have developed these more automated approaches to getting the word out and and, and increasing the brand awareness of airshaper it's another aspect of, of what you guys do that I don't, I may, maybe I'm missing it, but I don't see a lot of other comparable companies doing it. And I don't mean comparable in terms of cloud CFD. I mean comparable as in the whole CFD space. Um, you see maybe a flashy video, this kind of educational entertainment related content. You, do, you don't see that a lot in our space. So I think it, it stands out. It doesn't It doesn't hurt that it's really good as well. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. If somebody's been listening along to this and they were perhaps unfamiliar with Airshaper or they've, they've seen some of the videos but they've not they've not checked you guys out, what what's their next step? Should they, Is there a trial? Is there something they can go and look at? Or should they just add to your LinkedIn connection request queue? Yes, yes, indeed. Definitely add me on LinkedIn and go to airshaper.com slash videos to watch all of the videos because we grouped them there. Um, but apart from that, there's different levels of, of getting a taste of Airshaper, let's say. First of all, if you go to our main webpage and you go to how it works, there's a link that shows you what the results look like even without having to set something up. There's also a button where you can just try and upload a 3D model. You don't even need an account um, in first instance to see how our, how our setup uh, page works. So that's another way of trying this. And if you decide to create an account, there's a tut- tutorial that you can follow. It's based on a drone, uh, which is quite a hot topic. So you can use that drone to follow the tutorial and then see what the output would be. And if, of course, if you decide uh, to try your own model and you want to do a simulation, feel free to reach out, contact me and discuss your project. Uh, we'll, we'll, we're very happy to discuss projects and see what the need is and make sure that the simulation is set up properly for the right purpose. Cool. So, I mean, this is a one huge long advert of how approachable you guys are. So I rec- recommend that if you're interested in this, then, <laughs> then reach out to these guys and, and see how they can help you out. It's um, certainly an a really interesting platform. I've downloaded that um, sample report and uh, wish my sample reports looked like that. Got to say, thank you very much, Wouter, for coming on the show and uh, and giving us this this insight. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Yeah, thanks, Robin. It was a nice talk. It was a nice meeting you and I, I look forward to the reactions of the people that listen to this podcast. Perfect. Get in touch with this guy. Okay, fantastic. Fantastic.